Welcome to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, brought to you by Campbell's new chunky spicy soup. It's time to get fired up. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the program. I'm your host, William Liu. Blake remains on the load management plan. So next up is Isfandiar Barani, a man who I call coach, Ibrahima Kanate to my Virgil van Dyke at Score FC. A man who sometimes I mute, not going to lie, when wow. you fire off 25 tweets an hour. You wow. know, so there's a reason for that. You still got me on mute, don't you? I know you No, do. no, no. I took you <laughs> off because you're on the show. And, and most That's importantly, cool. a fellow Red, you'll never pot alone. Yes. As welcome to the show. Um, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Appreciate you having me on. It's uh, Appreciate thanks, you coming through. Thanks for through. getting the call up, coach. You oh, know? Yeah. You're, you're my coach, man. Listen. The media game was in- incredible. Yeah. You know? That was that was intense, man. Oh, well, we took Blake down. We, we took Blake down. We took Blake down. We had a good scheme. You drew up a nice play. I remember that. You drew he at a timeout. I was drawing something up. He's like, nah, coach, give me the clipboard. He was like LeBron and David Blatt. He's yeah. like, no, man. Give me the give me the clipboard. Let me cook. I'm yeah. excited. I mean, I not let me cook, to be clear. I did not draw a play for myself. <laughs> I was already on the bench at that point, having scored my three points for that night. Listen, we will have more time for pleasantries, but we are joined on the line once again by a friend of the program. Dennis Schroeder. Dennis, I hope you didn't hear much of that, man. I hope you didn't hear me drawing up plays, pretending to be a coach. You know, you don't want to see that. How you yeah. doing, Dennis? I'm good. I heard it, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm having an off day. Yeah. Eating right now. Yeah. And um, yeah, glad to be on the show. Yo, well, hold on. Before we go on, what's that shirt you're wearing? I think I might have seen that on Instagram. Okay. Oh, World okay. champions. The German team. Okay. Bye. You I see know, the Wagners. You know. you know, I see you. I see yeah. uh oh, who's the who's the backup guard, man? He was kind of nice too. Behind you? Modelo. Yeah, he's nice. Modelo. Yeah. yeah. He's nice. He played in Columbia College. Uh yeah. then Isaac Bonga, you guys know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then a bunch of, you know, talented guys who plays in Europe, your league, you know, on the highest level. Mm. And um, yeah, it was great times. It was great times, man. Really enjoyed watching the summertime. Okay, we got to catch up with you just first and foremost. How is life in Brooklyn right now? Have you had a chance to settle down, bring the family over, you know, figure out where you're going to live? I mean, a lot happens when you got traded. Right. Uh, family is uh, still in Toronto. I had, um, I just came back from a world trip, seven-day world trip, and uh, I'm in the hotel right now. Um Got a showing today for a house. Um, actually, I mean, an apartment. And um, yeah, uh, hope it, it goes well. And then I will bring the family down here. And uh, but organization is great. You know, teammates took me and um, made sure uh, it's an easy transition. And um, yeah, I'm glad that I'm you know here now. House hunting must be crazy in Brooklyn, man. Yeah, <laughs> it must be wild. Uh, it's, Matt, I, uh, it's insane. I wanted to ask you just because I saw the picture of your son's birthday, Dennis Dennis Jr. celebrating his birthday. It kind of went viral on social media with the the Raptors birthday cake and everybody wearing the Brooklyn Nets jerseys. How? What was the process behind that? Like, was he mad about that? Was he happy about that? Is he still a Raptors fan? What What went into that picture? <laughs> I mean, Junior got every every single um, jersey um, for the team I played for. So okay. uh, it's no hard feelings, I think, uh, to play um, in this league and, you know, to represent um, all the teams in the NBA is um, it's the best thing ever. So wherever I played, you know, and uh, he wearing the jersey, 
um, is proud for, you know, for me. And uh, we grateful that we, um, you know, experience that, you know, and uh, yeah. for me, uh, when he has a Lakers jersey on or a Toronto Raptors jersey at the Brooklyn game, but, you know, my name is on it or whoever name uh, who he like, he like Austin Reeves a lot, <laughs> probably more than me. So um, as a player, um, but I mean, that's, that's no hard feelings. And um he loves uh, every every team I played for. He always talks about it every single day. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's good that there's no hard feelings. That's good. No, I mean it's good, man. Garrett Temple pulled up. You know. Yeah. Your boy GT. You know. GT. Did he come to guy, the, Did he come to the birthday party wearing a suit too, or what, man? I just want to know what all. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that, man. <laughs> Is he coming to a kid's birthday party in a three piece suit? You know. No, he didn't. He didn't have the suit on this time. Yeah. He's like he's like Spider Man. He's got to be in that suit. Um, okay, walk me through trade deadline day because, um, you know, we, we were supposed to have you on the show that day. It was scheduled. You were going to come on at one thirty. Unfortunately, the trade happened, uh, and your whole life got flipped upside down. So we we couldn't get you on the program. Obviously, very understandable. But walk me through that day. Like, what where were you happening? How did you get the news? I mean, we played. I think in Charlotte, um, and then we came back at like. Two, three in the morning. Um, was with my family, with wifey and my best friend. Uh, we ate, you know, my chef was there, and then we went to sleep at like, I don't know, five or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my agent called me. Um, he woke us up because we took a nap. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he said, Yo, uh, you just got traded. And I heard a couple of teams, but I didn't expect Brooklyn, you know, to. Mm -hmm. Um, pursue me and um, like I said I'm very grateful um, Brooklyn is probably one of the best um, like uh, from the jersey wise uh, one of the best uh, and I always uh, pictured that you know like the black and white jerseys um, so uh, really grateful for that opportunity and um, yeah that was that was pretty much it so were you expecting, like, a move to happen or anything like that? I mean, it was a trade deadline. I know we asked you about it. You were always really chill about it. But, I mean, now that the trade actually did happen, like, were you expecting anything to happen? You know, did you want something to yeah. happen? Like, all those questions. I heard a lot of, I heard a lot of things. I heard a lot of teams uh, try to pursue. And, um, um, but at the end of the day, um, I'm happy where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, I think... The Toronto Raptors, great organization. Um, you know, they did a great job. Um, Darko, I mean, I know him, you know, since uh, OKC days. So uh, grateful for that opportunity. It didn't really work out uh, for me, for the organization, but um, still very grateful. And um, hopefully, you know, they, they still go on their way. Uh, wish, wish them nothing but the best. And uh, all my teammates who I played with, they're awesome. And um, yeah, hopefully they can do, you know, something special. Dennis, I want to kind of go back to the summer uh, in July when you were sort of still deciding your free agency destination and, you know, where you might go for this year. What was sort of the conversation with Toronto in terms of expectations, what was on the table, what you kind of wanted to do this year with the Raptors? You know, I came off a historical summer uh, with the national team. Yep. Um, you know, first time ever winning a World Cup. Um, 
That was pretty big time. And, uh, you know, uh, I was um, one of the pieces, you know, who played uh, very well. I mean, all guys who played and touched the floor, even the guys who didn't play, was bought in. But, I mean, um, Coach Darko called me, like I said before, and he said, yo, I want you to be, you know, um, the same uh, Dennis you you was with the national team. But um, uh, that wasn't really... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't really, you know, um, what the plan was, I believe, you know. But at the end of the day, um, I looked, you know, over the situation. Um, it's, everything is fine. Everything is cool. And uh, Darko was at the at the uh, birthday party as well. So mm, nice. Um, um, and a couple of assistant coaches. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's no, no, you know, it didn't work out. Uh, it is what it is, but um, it would have been nice if I would have had, you know, what. Uh, I mean, we we did the first three, four games. We played like that, but then um, switch changed. Uh, things changed. So, um, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm I'm very grateful for that opportunity and, um, you know, um, being in that organization because they did great, did great for my family. Uh, all the things they do outside of basketball was great. Um, and, uh, yeah, now I'm moving on. I'm uh, in Brooklyn and uh, try to, you know, um, make the playoffs here. Okay, one last question on the wraps, and we'll move on. But, you know, we've seen so many changes in this season, right? We've seen Pascal. He's been with the organization for a long time. He's in Indiana. OG, he was with the Raptors, drafted him. Now he's in New York. You're gone as well. That's three... Uh, the five starters from from day one. I've already moved on and changed teams, and, and a lot of the second unit guys have changed. Some of the older guys left. Otto, Thad, uh, you know, pieces have moved on. I mean, those guys have been successful elsewhere, though. Like Pascal's doing well in Indiana. OG did really well in New York before he got hurt, and hopefully he's able to come back and, and be the same kind of guy. You know, why don't why don't why didn't it exactly work out? You know, because I think that's the question a lot of us had. Everyone thought coming into the season there was going to be a competitive team. You guys were going to try to make the playoffs, but it just didn't quite work. What was it that didn't click, you think? I don't know. Uh, I'm wondering the same thing. We had so much talent in that, you know, in that locker room. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I always say um, I'm, I'm comparing always with national team because national team is just – uh, or European basketball is just different than the NBA. And I understand that. And I understand that, you know, um, it's a player's league as well. Um, I understand all those things. I've been 11 years in this in this, uh, in this this league, so I understand all that. But at the end of the day, when it comes to winning teams, it always comes to chemistry and um, putting your egos to the side, I feel like. And... I mean, it didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, I was a part of it, so you got to always look uh, uh, in the mirror, look at yourself, and uh, try to be better for the next chapter, you know. And um, uh, But we had a lot of talent, you know, in that in that locker room. We could have definitely made it work, but uh, we didn't. So um, they broke us up, and, um, yeah, now everybody else... Uh, going to other teams and doing their thing so and i mean the raptors doing their thing too um uh and they pizza uh <laughs> the free pizza do you uh, do you get that like would you I've seen that right away yeah, yeah. W- would you be a part of that like uh, does he get like a okay, hold on hold on hold prorated on. pizza like hey, 
first off, I, I feel like Pascal should have got a slice. Yeah. You know, it did. The third win came against Indiana. You know, I feel like you you were part of that three game. You know, you should get a slice as well. It started with the win against Brooklyn too. You're right. Yeah. Uh, no, but seriously, like, I, I know Darko was so big on like the dinners and you guys going out together as a group. We talked about that a lot on the show. When did it go from it's a dinner, three wins for a dinner, to three wins for a pizza party? Because that's different. Like, was is is that something you guys talked about in the locker room? Like, hey, we're gonna have a pizza party. I think he said pizza from the start. Oh, oh he did. He? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, I'm not pretty. I, I'm not for sure, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I think he did. He said pizza. Yeah. But uh, that was his main thing. Every single time, people made fun of him. Um. I mean, I don't know. I, I like it. Um. You know. Um. He's a he's a big guy. Believes on like family. Um. And. Me and him get along, you know, very well with, uh, you know, the family stuff. Uh, my wife, his wife, and um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta give him that. I like, I like that about him um, yeah. a lot. I know, um, you know, obviously the relationship you guys have is great, but this was obviously his first year as a head coach in the NBA, and you got to be a part of that. Um, I guess through that experience, what do you think is something that he learned through this year, or something that he's maybe improved on as a coach? from the time that, you know, you guys were together? I mean, assistant coach and head coaching job is two different things. Uh, we all know that. And mm-hmm. uh, as the assistant coach, you can, you know, say a lot of things um, however you want, kind of. As a head coach, you know, you you really can't, you know. And um, at the end of the day, uh, you're doing a great job still. I always said it. You're doing a great job. They're playing well right now as well. Um, and he is always, you know, um, his, I mean, X's and O's is, is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he doing a great job right now. I'm happy for him and, um, he's probably going to learn over the, or he learned already the last, uh, five, six months, whatever, um, how to become, you know, a top five, top 10, whatever coach uh, in this league. Mm. Well, we see the ball movement, right? That's something he talked about so much in the offseason, right? You guys want to play unselfish, yeah. move the ball a lot. And the last couple of games, we've seen the Raps, you know, 37 assists, 35 assists. Like, in the NBA, that's pretty hard to do, to record that many assists. So you're seeing him come in and put in his system, which has been great. I think defensively, if the group played a little bit stronger, I think maybe, you know, again, we wouldn't be in this position. But, yeah. you know, it's tough. I, I got to transition ask about you as well. It's not, you know totally polite just to only ask about uh, what happened in the past. But how are you feeling? Like, what's the transition like? You guys got a new head coach. Yeah, Kevin Ollie's taking over. What's been... Another rookie head coach. <laughs> you got a new experience, like, just like this. So yeah. uh, how are things in Brooklyn in terms of just a locker room and, and how you're settling in with the new coach? I like Kevin. I like Kevin. Uh, He's been a player for a long time in this league. Um, made it in himself as well, so he knows the game. Um, I love that about, you know, the people or the coaches who really um, have, you know, sweat, um, blood, whatever, uh, on this game and really know how we feel in and how, you know, um, how things really are and not just, you know, talk about it and never, you know, um, been on that same type of level. Right. Um, so he understands. Um, he played, you know, 12 years um a lot of teams, but he played. Uh, 
he played his ass off. You guys say that, you know, every single time, every single game. And um, he wants us to play that way and wants us to play free, um, wants to make the playoff, want to win. And uh, I think that's all you can ask for, you know, as a coach um, who believes in you and want to make sure you compete on the highest level because you, you know, if you don't do that and you, you know, BSing around, um, it's going to hurt you and uh, nobody else, kind of. Um, and yeah, the message is clear. Um, I think uh, with the team, we still got to find ourselves, um, but we got to, you know, um, do it, do it now. And uh, we had a couple of good games um, together, but uh, when the ball is not falling, we still got to be locked in on a defensive end. And um, if we do it, I don't know, we was the, I mean, since All-Star break, I think number two, number three in defense, and we just got to, you know, um, keep doing that. Is it funny to you that you're in a play-in race with a team that, in the Toronto Raptors now, that you, you were just... Raptors, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same. Uh, I don't know what they're trying to do, but... Yeah. Uh, no, but w w with the Nets, like, the focus is to try to make the play-in and, you know, kind of get to the point where... You guys have an established identity. It, is it harder, I guess, because, you know, new coach, new system, trying to figure things out on the fly? I mean, it's, it's, it's still the same thing, um, I think. Um, of course, no, no, no. Um, but he's been there the whole year, and he just said he want to switch a little, you know, a few things up um, because we think JV did a great job. Um, he did a great job of... Um, how we want to play on the defense and offensive end. And Kevin, you know, just uh, did a little twist and said, this is what we, you know, this is what we want. And, um, yeah, I think uh, he's doing a great job, but he still, we still got to help him. Mm -hmm. um, the assistant coach has got to help him. Um, so he's in a new position, and we got to understand that as well. All right. Um, last question for me. Well, actually, two more questions, but uh, the new team. I know you got a Blu-ray table set up. You got a Blu-ray game set up. So <laughs> I know it's something you talked about so much coming on this program, playing with guys in Toronto. Um, do you have a game set up already in Brooklyn now? Man, listen. Um, that's the that's the most... Um, or that's the... Uh, how can I say it? Sorry. Uh, that's what I missed the most from the Toronto Raptors. Oh, there's no game? Nobody's playing Blu-rays. They playing Blu-rays for people, but it's uh, it's, it's it's not a it's not a good game. <laughs> I mean, not a good game, but it's it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's low if you understand. You gotta you gotta put them you know, on, uh, man. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I hear you. I hear but you. It's, it's hear a you. lot of it's a lot of young guys, but uh -huh. um, yeah. you know, at the at the same time, I still want to you know educate them uh about you know how the basketball you know like the young guys yeah uh about basketball about you know with the money situation financially yeah so i don't want to push nobody you know right. <laughs> that's what i miss uh the most yeah. um gary temple shout out to him yep. chris boucher mm -hmm. bruce brown yeah. um these Ka guys uh, i miss that for sure yeah, guys, guys who had a little bit of money at least yeah who's the, <laughs> who's the best in toronto like and what bure me, I was the best. <laughs> no, nice. that, that's fair. That's no, the better fair. question is who's the worst. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Really? That. Oh, come on. I can't answer that. All right. I can't answer that. All right. Fair enough. All right. Last question then. Um, yeah, just I, I know. Obviously, we did a lot of these interviews. I 
just wanted to say thank you. I caught up with you as well before the Brooklyn game when you guys were here in Toronto just to say thank you as well. You, I know you took a lot of time. You called us from a lot of locations. You're, I think you're having steak frites right now, so... You know, I yeah, you yeah, you guys messed my food up. It's already cold now. <laughs> Listen, you always take time, so I want to say thank you from us at the at the Raptors show for you know you know coming on. Not, honestly, not even avoiding difficult subjects. Too. Sometimes we ask you some difficult things. Sometimes we have a good time as well. But did you have a, fa- a message to just the rest of the listeners and also just the Raptors in general, fans wise, in terms of you know your time and just what you want to sign off on? Man, this is. Uh... Like I said, I'm. Um, I always, you know, try to be the best human being I can, and always reflect on life. And for the Raptors organization, for all the people, you know, who believed in me and you know brought me in, because that's not normal, you know, to be in the NBA and um, to to live that life um, every single day. Um, I don't take it for granted. A lot of people just saying it, but I really, I really mean it. So Toronto Raptors fans, the organization, everybody, um, I appreciate all of them. Um, and, uh, I hope, you know, you guys make the playoffs and there's always love on this side. And, uh, maybe, um, at some point, you know, we can run it back, make it, you know, make it right. Um, and, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There you go. All right, Dennis, next time we'll see you, will be in the plane, all right? Yes, sir. All right, we're going to see. <laughs> we're going to see. Dennis, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right, thank you, guys. Dennis Schroeder. Shout out to Dennis, man. Man, yo, he's always made time for the program. Yeah. And um, you know, just a personal story. It was like, I remember the when he got signed, it was during Summer League. He couldn't fly to Toronto because it's a whole convoluted story, but didn't have the passport, whatever. Right. Flew to Vegas instead to join and meet the team. So he was announced there. A lot of reporters had already moved on. Like you were in Vegas, you guys had a good time. It's true, y'all, you guys dipped out. <laughs> it, it was reporters wise. It was me and Doug Smith, and Oren was Oren there. Oren, I think it was right before him and Lee Band okay. showed up, uh, aka the Off Strip Boys, because they stayed <laughs> off the strip. Hey, <laughs> uh, no A about that, man. That's uh, anyway. yeah. I've heard the best food is Off Strip, though. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> the best food, all they went to was Olive Garden. I'm not even kidding. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, so I was I was there, and it was, it was very lucky because there weren't that many reporters around. He did a virtual Zoom as well, which was helpful. Um, I got to sit down with him for an interview for the Raptors show, and this, this wasn't, like, the weekly appearance, but it was just me getting to know him a little bit and just, like, getting to chat. And, mm-hmm. you know, typically with these interviews, PR comes in, like, you got 15 minutes. Right. And when, when 12 minutes comes around, they come by and they tap their watch like Dame Lillard style. You know, they're like, hey. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's wrap it's, it up time. <laughs> it's Dame time. It's, uh, it's Josh time. It's, uh, it's Phil time, okay? Um, and uh, no, but then Dennis was actually like waving them off. He was like, no, it's cool. Like, I'm enjoying this conversation. And we just chatted. Whatever. It wasn't that long. It was like 20 minutes. Um, after we wrapped up the interview, we were just walking through the hallways of uh, the hotel that the Raptors were at. And we were trying to figure out essentially how to get out because it's like a labyrinth. Yeah, oh, I, I, I know what I yeah it, yeah yeah. Remember yeah, the ball, right. yeah the yeah, ballroom yeah. and all that yeah. yeah. So I was chatting with him a little bit, him and Joel, his videographer, his friend who who travels and lives with him, um, and they were just asking me questions. And typically speaking, media wise, you know, once the once the interview's done, they players do like, yeah, all right, I'm going on my life, see ya, yeah. right? But they were actually asking me questions, and they were just kind of like, you know, like, what do you do? How did you get started? And honestly, I never had a player, like, actually be curious about that. And most importantly to me, Dennis said at the very end, he's like, I really enjoyed the interview. And 
I hope that in some way that led to this opportunity where we were able to have him on the show. But that was very cool. You know, so, I never had that level of access with anybody uh, on a, you know, show basis. First so. of all, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes to show you that, like, vets are really important in this league because totally. yeah. he's a guy who's been in the league for, what, 10 years now mm-hmm. doing his thing. And, like, you, you, you talk about his relationship with Garrett Temple. Like, yeah. having those type of players, not only in a locker room, but just to deal with media, to interact with them, mm-hmm. to kind of give the point of view of a team is so important it goes underrated all the time for sure and you, you look at like these other like younger teams that are trying without vets or whatnot and mm-hmm. like you need those older guys that yeah. are going to guide you you need that that yeah the old dude <laughs> well totally and i think look from uh from, and he's not even old like i don't i don't nah, wanna, yeah you know i mean he's, honestly he's like close to our he's age, our age. <laughs> <laughs> oh god he's right in between the two of yeah, us yeah. um but i think for dennis i think it's, it's tricky because it's one thing to be like hey come here you know, uh, do what you did in yeah. the summertime. That's a little difficult. First off, that group of this group, totally different setting, right? Playing for your country versus playing for an organization, again, totally different. Yeah. But it's also like he's has the he's played with the program for a long time. He knows these guys. He's older than these guys in, that he played with in Germany. It's easier for him to sort of like establish that bond, that connection. To step in day one, joining the team new as a leader is very difficult to do. And when the team is going through a million and one different changes. <laughs> he like, walked into a situation where there were a lot of existing problems. It was like the this is yeah. fine, you know, the yeah. meme of the fire and everything yeah. around you. It's like, how are you? And I think, look, the pitch was come to Toronto. You're going to start for us. You know, yeah. you're going you're gonna to play that way that you did in the World Cup. I mean, he did start to start, but eventually he was brought off the bench. And yeah. eventually the team changed in a different direction. You got to keep in mind, he came from the Lakers, come off a Western Conference finals run. He's at an age and a point in his career where, yeah, obviously he wants to make money. He's grateful, like he said, but he's a competitor. Yeah. He come out of the World Cup. He wants to compete. And that was the promised idea was this team's going to try to win and try to compete. And it just didn't work out. And th- there's nothing deeper than that, quite frankly. There's yeah. no hard feelings, really. But still, I do feel like he was brought in under one pretense and the team went a different way. Yeah. And, of course, he was part of that team, so he could have done something about it. 100%. But, I mean, it's not like we brought him in to be a franchise player or anything either. So it wasn't all down at him. Anyway, I, I'm still wondering why it didn't work out. I'm happy he's also wondering why it didn't work out because yeah. they did have more talent than their record showed. But you're, I, what you're saying? I think it's there was so much turmoil. Not even turmoil. Turmoil is like such a daunting word sure. to throw yeah, at yeah. it. But there's just so many changes going around, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and you know, switching out the coach, and you have the Pascal rumors, the OG stuff, and yeah. like you're not able to create that sort of camaraderie, like he mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Chemistry, putting the egos aside when yeah. there's a million other things around you. Yeah. And the other thing is, when he went to the bench, he actually played well. Like, he That's was productive. Thing. That's the thing. He yeah. was professional from, you know, everything you see, him mm-hmm. going to the tunnel and whatnot. Like, they they did well with him coming off of the bench, too. And he th- really did, like, play really well in that role. And it instantly brought the bench from being, like, quite frankly, the Terrible. least productive in the league. Yeah. To being respectable. Yeah. And now it's a totally different look. And I'm happy the bench is actually playing really well. And we'll talk about that more on the other side of this break. But, like, I just thought that, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, was he their ideal fit? No. But I think it was down to the organization. They lost Fred. They weren't expecting to lose Fred. They had to find something. And then they instantly were like, all right, let's 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 promise the next guy to start. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody was set up to succeed to start the season. You, know you look I mean? back at, like, it was always rumored in the summer, Gabe Vincent was another guy that was mentioned, right? Sure, and I guess. Look at, look at what Gabe Vincent's season is. It's, you He's know, right off. He's just been really hurt. Yeah. Really injured. Hasn't played for the Lakers. Like, mm. 
if we're going to go, you know, apples to apples kind of comparison there, yeah. obviously Schroeder was much more productive yeah, for yeah. what Gabe has been for the Lakers. And so, like, based on what the expectation was for an, a guy who was signing on the MLE, mm-hmm. coming into an organization, being asked to probably punch above his weight a little bit, yeah, I think he did well. Like, mm-hmm. in the six months that he was here, he, he did what he could with yeah. this team. And... Staying professional regardless of the role change and everything like that, that's yeah. that's super important. It was kind of interesting. He did talk about it a little bit. Like, for the first three or four games, they did kind of play like they expected. That but was then funny. something changed. Yeah. But then something changed. I kind and, of want to uh, go back and look at, like, the game law. I don't know. You can't really look at a box score and say what changed, but mm. I wonder what he thinks changed yeah. after four games. Well, in any case, yeah, you look at the team now, it's only three members of the initial rotation are still in the rotation. Scotty, yeah. obviously, Jakob, those they have not moved from the starting group. Gary, who started the season really slowly, was coming yeah. off the bench. And then Grady was on the team, but I mean, he was kind of like tenth man type of deal. Right. Like the rest of the whole rotation has changed. Head coach changed. Franchise players changed. And yet the Raptors found a new way to win. So we're gonna take this quick break to discuss that new version of the Raptors. Uh, but we appreciate Dennis for joining the show. And, uh, yeah, we're going to take this break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Again, Blake Murphy is is away for another week, at least, by the way. So we will continue to have uh, new co-hosts uh, cycling in and out. Um, appreciate to Lindsay Dunn for joining the program. I saw so much feedback. Uh, we love Lindsay. Lindsay brought great energy. You know, wanted to get Lindsay back. Like, honestly, let's be real. The original plan was we we're going to get Lindsay for Wednesday as well. So today... Except for the fact that Lindsay messaged me over the weekend and was like, hey, well, you know, I really appreciate like, coming on the show, but I, I, I can't do Wednesday anymore. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay, that's okay. What happened? And she's it's like, you know, I, I just got pulled to a different city. You know, I have to interview somebody. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll accommodate. We'll figure it out. Who are you going to interview, though, by the way? And she's like, yeah, it's Timothy Chamelet. <laughs> so that's why Lindsay Dunn is not here. She is, uh, we have lost our girl to Timothy Chamelet. This is uh, it's a tough feeling, but... Yeah, we, 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 we got, uh, we, you got to hit the on on the microphone. There you go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay, yeah. Um, we did get, obviously, S to fill in. S was going to do Thursday and Friday, sl- slid in, did Wednesday. How do you feel being on the Raptors show after the first uh, first segment where you had to just instantly interview hey, an NBA player? And I'm you look great, by the way. You were chill. You were Appreciate vibing. You. Thank you. Thank you. Know, you. How look, do you feel? I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm appreciative of being here. And also, like, you got to, I got to fill up to the cowboy boots of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. or cowgirl boots of Lindsay Dunn. You Lindsay know what I mean? Lindsay set the bar really high. She so, was you know, cooking. She, she was, yeah, she was ready. So, uh-huh. yeah, you know, I'm, I'm ready to roll, too. I appreciate oh, you having I know. me, man. I don't know. This is the thing. Like, I'm confident in every single one of the people that come on this program. Hell, yeah. So I knew that, you know, you had, I mean, look, listen, for people who don't know your CV, people who don't know your resume, uh, <laughs> let me just, let me just, let me just open up the basketball reference page. Okay. No, 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 no. I want you to do that. I'm going to open up the basketball reference page. 
for S. What does it say on that page career-wise for you right now? Oh, man. Uh, okay, so if you're going to kind of let me list everything off, Go I graduated ahead. from the College of Sports Media. Shout-out to CSM in 2020. Nice, nice. Uh, since then, I did content for The Score. Shout-out to my people at The Score. Yeah, the, the Score, you know. <laughs> yeah, hey, if former alum. you Sports Media in Toronto, you have worked at The Score. You have worked at The Score, yeah. <laughs> former alum. Uh, yeah, no, uh, worked there for two years doing NBA content. Yeah. Uh, worked for a company called SDPN as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, on the side, been writing for Forbes, talking basketball yeah. and Raptors for Forbes, yeah. and uh, doing some stuff for Bleacher Report, man. So now we're... Now we're here at the, the yeah. Raptors show talking to you, man. What about Raptors Republic, man? Yes, yeah, shout out, bro, listen, on. listen. Raptors Republic is like a staple in that's the city. Cool. If you don't know yeah. Raptors Republic, obviously I do the, the YouTube stuff, recaps mm -hmm. every night yeah. for it. And those guys, they're like, uh, I don't know, they're like the Ajax you know, you know, Ajax, oh, Ajax, Ajax. Ajax, they're like Ajax from soccer, you know, soccer reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just Got like you. cultivate talent and uh -huh. they put them out there. You, what is this? Blake. Like Sarar Ten Hag? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly, man. So yeah. no, they're like an Ajax, man. Yeah, he's crushed, by the way, to be clear. Right? Yes. Yeah, give, him, give, him, give, him, give him full respect. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, listen, it, it's been great watching you come up. Almost out of nowhere. I'm not gonna lie. Hey, I was like, who is this guy? He everywhere. <laughs> this Persian dude just talking about basketball yeah. now. What's going on? No, but it's been great to see your 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 rise. Your sure, you know, obviously you know ball. We're about to talk ball. Yeah, people get to know that part in particular as well. Obviously, you were on the show previously as well. You know, when I was away, uh, also trapped on in a vacation. City. But not but not talking <laughs> to Timothy Chalamet to be clear. All right. Uh, okay, I, I have to I have to say it's yeah, Chalamet. Up? It's Chalamet. It's not Chamolet. Ah, uh, whatever. It's okay. Honestly. I had to say, you know, <laughs> Dune is coming out. I'm going to tap into Dune on Monday. He's obviously starring yeah. in Dune, so I was like, I, I have I, I to. Think, I hope Lindsay also knew that because uh, <laughs> I think I'm saying that because that's how she oh, was saying Oh, no. It. She's, that's going to be a funny clip if it ever goes out. Uh, Yeah. So, no, no. I'm, I'm just, again, happy you're here. Thank you, Appreciate man. you. Anything you need. You know, guest-wise, we try to, like, you know. I mean, look, you, Why, what's up? out of all people, Pave the way oh, for a yeah? dude like me to yeah, even yo, be ahead, able to ahead. do this. Allow me to gas his oh, own CV ahead. up. This man make the meteoric rise to every yeah. single station and every single yeah. network doing Raptors content. Yeah. I used to tap into the 10 things stuff you mm. wrote for the score. Like we were, yeah, I used I was to write there. 10 things too. Yeah. So that's the big difference. <laughs> <laughs> the Raptors stopped winning 10 games. So I stopped. Yeah, winning I swear you got back to it, didn't you? I wrote the last couple games because Grange was on the road. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, okay. Will, please, can you just write about the sport you cover? And I'm like, fine. Luckily, they won both. Games. I, I was yeah. I was gonna wait until the end of the week to gas you, but obviously, uh -huh. you should know good, good, that good. you you were listen. You you helped pave the way in a lot of ways. We Thank have a guest you, coming up tomorrow too, who also helped pave the way in a lot of ways too. Mm. And it's like you guys have no idea how important it was for people like you yeah. to be able to pave the way for someone who, you know, it, uh, like a Persian dude to be able yeah. to pull up and do this. So yeah, yeah I, wow. I'm very appreciative of that. Thank yeah. you. You are now allowed to come on Thursday and Friday. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> No, seriously, I appreciate you. That. that that means a lot. Honestly, like I see, the number one thing people come up to me and say are just like, hey, "How did they let you do what you do?" <laughs> I hear you. And part of it, I'm like, okay, that's rude. But no, but it's it's, a, it's a compliment like, too. They're like, it feels accessible, and I'm like, that's exactly the point. Like yeah. that's how we can kind of connect on these things. Like I'm not gonna ever try to come across as like, I'm a basketball expert. I know hoops. I know X. I know it's better than everything else. I, I can't speak from a playing career perspective. Honestly, I didn't even go to sports media journalism school, but I want whoever listens to be able to, like, say, I feel like I know Will, and I feel like I like him, and I feel like we can just talk about this thing that we love, which is the Raptors, which is basketball in general. Yeah, so, for sure. if we're going from that humble perspective, we're now here, 
And we are now going to talk about this Raptors team. Three game in a row. The Raptors Twitter finally united. Yes. By the way, it was the most peaceful last two days. Of that Raptors was Twitter, beautiful. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, after like 55 games of going at each other, <laughs> should the pick convey or not? And now it's like we're talking about pizza parties and pizza yeah. party meet. I'm still mad I wasn't here for the <laughs> North of Brooklyn pizza, man. It's my yeah, favorite pizza. Be. Shout out to the Killer B. Shout out to oh, the Killer B. Killer B upstairs, oh man. my god, we had Killer B. We had the vodka verde. Vodka we had the margarita verde. for yes. uh, margarita for, Dar- for Darko. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's the most European thing from me. He's like, no, just margarita. I'm like, yeah, you know what? When I was in Italy, that's you, basically what it was. Do you agree to the whole pineapple thing? Because I, I, I think I don't it, mind, man. I, don't I think mind. it suits sometimes. You know? Yeah. Here's the thing. No, oh, come on. <laughs> Here's the thing with that. Um, it's not my culture. Okay, fair. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, yeah, you put pineapples in pizza. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. It tastes fine. If you're like, hey, would you put pineapples in, like, a, a bow? I'd be like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Could you put pineapples in a dumpling? I'll be like, no, I'm, hell I'm no. No, no way. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Okay. So it's not my that. culture. That's all. Fair, yeah. fair. Yeah, nobody would. If anybody were to ask me, like, yo, can you put pineapples on a shawarma? I'd yeah. be like, hell, no way. Wow, Absolutely not. okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you guys inspired Alpha Store. You know that. Did we? Yeah. It was really? well, not you guys specifically. I know you're you're not Lebanese, but, but a lot we, of but Lebanese immigrants went to True. uh Mexico and they brought along a lot of things, including obviously the rotating, you know. I did not know that. that. Yeah. So like a lot of that is actually inspired by the immigration that took place. Wow. Going to Mexico. And now Alpha Store is like a classic taco. Yeah, yeah. The food history. Look at, yeah, listen, you learn history. something new every day on the Raptors That's show. What you man. listen for, man, not yes, actual sir. hoop talk because we keep pushing that, <laughs> apparently. Okay, so this is what I got for us. Yeah. New defensive strategy. We we're talking about this upstairs preparing for this show. Sure. Raptors are playing in a way that even though the last couple games are still allowing 120, um, defensively they look a lot more solid, and that's been their issue all season in addition to all the chemistry stuff. But... <laughs> But mainly defense, which honestly manifests sometimes with the the poor chemistry. Talk to me about the Raptors' new defensive identity, what you're seeing from there. So, look, yes, small sample size, all that is 100% true. They've only played three games. Like, that. that is no question about that. But they have changed the strategy. And I've talked to Darko about this before. Uh, You know, I went to the the Nets game, and I kind of asked what the identity of this team could be defensively. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. You asked, are you guys doing more nail help, <laughs> uh, providing more nail help on drives. And Darko's answer was, I cannot answer that. Yeah. <laughs> which was like, which I was like, gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, Let me you know. ask in a more general way. But yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and look, I think the nail help is a big part of it because they're trying to limit paint points as much as possible. Uh, a couple of stats here before the break from January 1st. So this new iteration of the Toronto Raptors, you know, with IQ and RJ and whatnot, since January 1st, they were 25th in opponents' points in the paint. So they were just bleeding points yes. in the paint, allowing guys to get inside all the time. Now, post-All-Star break, again, it's very early, three games, but only 14. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're limiting teams a lot more. And there's a couple of reasons to that. One, they're sending tons of help when a guy gets into the paint. Mm-hmm. One, like the, the main thing you look at here is help from the corners, which is a Nick Nurse staple. Yes. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We're not going to go back into Nick Nurse basketball. That's fine, man. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're helping off of the corners like crazy. Before the All-Star break, 17th in opponents' corner threes. After the All-Star break, they're second. So they're allowing teams to court, shoot corner threes way more, but they're also limiting paint touches a lot more. Mm. And when a team gets into the paint, teams are shooting worse in the paint. But that's because there's tons of bodies around them. They're course, sending yep. help. Jakob Pertl has done an incredible job. Like, yep. Jakob's presence in general and... We'll see tonight if he ends up suiting up, but 
he his presence as this backline help for them has been really, really helpful at the point of attack to be able to establish how this team can work. And, you know, you look back at, like, the greatest Raptors teams ever, Marcus Gasol, right? Mm-hmm. How he was able to kind of anchor that back line for them dictated how the perimeter defense was uh, allowed to play too. And that's sort of happening now in the sense that he's better in space. Mm-hmm. He can he can guard a little bit better in space. There was a couple, and I know Tyrese Halliburton's hurt, so, like, that's that's kind of, hey, you know. He's still, he had I mean, a couple of possessions. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> You're, not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Actually, there was a moment, like, right after the All-Star game where <laughs> he came out and saw his family. He's like, yo, can we please leave these these players are tired, man. Like, that's another conversation for another yeah. day, but that's how you fix the all-star game is not do as many things. Um, yeah. When it comes to the Raptors, I think the big thing defensively is finding that identity and limiting in the, uh, points in the paint. Yeah. And the perimeter defense is something that it has to improve. Mm-hmm. But I do think they're actually, like, they're, they're going through the process of yeah. improving that thing. And when you asked Darko, when I asked him last time, he said that they have a defensive boot camp. Like, they're going through a bit of a oh. training camp. Like, okay. a, 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 like just breaking down the basics of, yeah. hey, we're trying to guard this way. We're trying to force guys right in search, certain situations. We're, we're trying to force guys into help. And, you know, the nail help is a huge aspect of that. Nail help, for people who don't know, is like at the uh, kind of like free throw line extended area. Mm-hmm there's going to be guys who are pinching in whenever a player drives in. Right. And so, you know, Jimmy Butler is a great nail help player. Pascal Siakam used to be a really, really great nail help player. And now oh, they're I'm asking. The... <laughs> not, 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 maybe not this year. <laughs> maybe not this year. Uh, okay, don't worry. Yeah. His um, agent no longer listens to the show. Yeah, I know. He probably taps into the, the Pacers show or whatever. Um, Locked on Pacers. <laughs> So that's why. That's why yeah. the Raptors are successful defensively is they're sending so much more help. I hear um, you. And, yeah, that's the success so far. No, and, and I think it's a great point because if you watch back on, especially last game against Indiana, Indiana still scored 121. I mean, mm-hmm. first off, that's on a night where Tyrese had two buckets, yeah. and they still scored 121. But the reason they scored 121 is because they had a lot of top-of-the-floor threes. So Pascal made, like, two or three uh, from the top of the floor, Jalen Smith made a top of the floor three. Ben Matherin. Matherin was hitting pull-ups that were ridiculous. Then they had Miles Turner to start the game, and that was one of the adjustments at halftime was they switched up the matchups. They put Scotty on Miles Turner after halftime. Yeah. But before it was Jakob, and Jakob was providing that help. Turner just stepping out there for pick-and-pop threes. All of it was on the top of the floor. And when you go back to what Darko said at the start of the season, coming in defensively, he's like, I want to take away the paint, then I want to take it to the corners, and then if you got to live with some top of the floor threes, you do it. You finally see that put into place. And I thought that was what was impressive about the Indiana game was even on a night where they beat your coverage by hitting an obscene amount of of top-of-the-floor shots, you still were able to win and ultimately get stops when you needed to. I think that's really impressive. And I think that that's the number one reason they beat the Hawks and that's the number one reason they beat um, the Pacers as well. I mean, you could do that against the Nets, but the Nets also started Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton. So they're begging for you to cramp the paint, basically. but. Yeah, it's it's uh you, you got to give Dark a lot of credit, you know. I think it's funny because there was so much of a conversation, and I kind of wanted to ask Dennis about this, but in general, there was so much conversation about is Darko ready to become a head coach, mm-hmm. and I think you're finally seeing him sort of play and experiment with what this roster can be because he has the tools necessary to do that. Yeah. Um. You know, we talk about the defensive side of things, but right now, offensively, this mm-hmm. team looks incredible. Yeah. Just because of the cutting, I, th- I think, uh, shout out to Caitlin Cooper. She brought yep. up 33 points 
off of cuts against the Pacers. Like, that's not regular. That's not regular. <laughs> like, a regular amount of, is like 10 to 15. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, actually, I have a cutting stat here. Okay. I think I can, right. I think I can pull it up. Hit me with a cutting stat. A cutting stat. No one's hit me with a stat since Blake has left the show, <laughs> by the way. So uh, until Blake uh, comes back in a week or two, I got you. Uh, we, we're going to need people to come in with a stat, please. <laughs> okay, look. So yeah, hit me with a stat. Right now, the Raptors are seventh in possessions. Okay. Like, just cutting possessions. Cool, cool. Eighth in frequency mm-hmm. and tenth in points in the paint. They are the only team other than the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings that are top 10 in all of those categories. Mm, so, I like that. And it's like funny that. because the Golden State Warriors and Sacramento Kings yeah. sort of play the style the Raptors want to play. But that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. Right? A lot of, like, you saw the start of the season. Every play was they get it to Jakob in the post with Dennis bringing the ball up. Then Dennis would move off the ball, set a down screen for uh, for Pascal or Scotty to come lift for yep. the ball. And they were just always running this over and over again. And it was, like, to the point where I'm like, okay, I've seen this 20 times in this night. Like, the defense has seen that, too. But, like, that was the identity that they wanted to bring. And, of course, you bring in new pieces that helps a lot. Grady going – and I consider Grady a new piece because the start of the season wasn't ready. Yeah, it's the like Grady, adding a new rotation player. It's act, yeah. exactly like that. Ochai has also shown to be a pretty good off-ball player, and we saw him score – he scored at least 10 of those points off of those cuts, yeah. off those 33. Yeah. He was just only cutting because he never gets his own shot. Kelly, I think – this. Floor spacing five has really changed a lot for them. You even saw it to some small degree with Jonte, but let's be honest, Kelly's on a totally different level. Yeah, They're bringing that identity to the team. And again, I think, you know, you still got to figure out the defense, but the bigger picture for Darko was he came into a situation that was already messy, mm-hmm. right? Last year was messy for the Raptors. Nick left. Fred left. But all of a sudden, there's still other messes. Clean up. <laughs> they, a lot of cleanups on our whatever. Yeah, like, so I yeah. feel like Darko at the start of it, especially when I look back on it, had a lot of other things pulling at him. Right. Now, the team is pretty clear. And it's like, you got a little bit more time to sort of like run with the same group. What can you do with it? I yeah. feel like this is the first time he gets to really like cook and go with the roster. Yeah. Now, I think I honestly, I wish he had done a better job with the previous group because there was a way to make that thing work better than it did. And I think that should be a part of his season when you reflect on it. It's like, why couldn't you win with the previous group? Why couldn't you win more? Because it wasn't like that previous group should have been losing to Detroit or whatever, right? But at the same time, now that you have this chance to play with pieces that fit what you want to do and also most of the politics, at least the previous ones, are out the way and you can move from custodian, politician, whatever you want to call it, to like coach, now I want to see how you do the second half of the season. Question for you. Go ahead. It's sort of good vibes right now. Three wins in a row. Yeah, yeah. Pizza party. Yeah. Shout out North of Brooklyn. Sponsor me if you want to. <laughs> man, begging for Listen, pizza, Listen, yo, I love North of Brooklyn pizza. It just it hurts me that I wasn't yo, here. Yo, man, you know what? I'll take, you know what? There is a... Uh, there is at one location in Toronto. It's uh, it's I at know Geary. It's, I know. I used to have acting classes right there. Yeah. And so, actually, we won't get into the acting classes. Oh, no, we'll get to that but. later on. Not today. Don't <laughs> worry. The Greater Good. Yeah. Right. It's inside the bar. Yeah. There is now a poster of me. Oh, really? At that location that says, "If you see this man, he gets free pizza for the week." What? So I might have to take you there. I'm, I'm going to take a picture with you now and go. There's a wanted poster, <laughs> a pizza wanted poster. Anyway, you're saying. No, I, look, I wanted to ask you. It's good vibes right now. Mm-hmm. What are some things you might like watch for? Yeah. Be concerned about when it comes. Not even concerned, right? Because there's no like, there's 
Again, no. there's no egos. There's nothing like Bro, that. We but, can't pretend like everything is fixed. Right. Like, there's yeah. still lots of things to watch out for. And I'm happy you threw it to me because we got two minutes, and I'm going to give you these real quickly. Yeah. And then you're going to hit me your, with your thoughts on it. Number sure. one, I'm watching for how Emmanuel quickly plays against physicality. Because towards the end of that Pacers game, the Raptors are up double digits or whatever. Pacers started putting Andrew Nemhart on him right. and really, really extending the pressure, extending the pickup points, being physical. Nemhart's really great at doing that. And I thought quickly was not effective down the stretch there. So, And I think a lot of that was the physicality. So how does he handle against physical play? Another concern, R.J. Barrett, the free throws. What is going on? I don't know, man. He was shooting 83% with the New York Knicks from the foul line before the trade. He is a 70-ish percent career a foul shooter. He's down to 60% with the Raptors. And we've seen a lot of times where he misses both free throws. That's yeah. concerning to me. Okay. And then finally, Scotty has just gone ice cold from three. He's shooting since Pascal was traded. He's shooting 23% from three. And it's not just like his shot diet has changed significantly, right? Because it's still relatively speaking similar looks. But yeah. he went from shooting 42% on wide open threes to 27%. He went from shooting 31% on open threes to 22%. He doesn't really take contested threes, which is good, but those are the things I'm concerned about. What are you seeing from those three? So for the IQ thing, I agree, but I think that's why Jakob is so important to IQ because he's leveling these guys on these screens. Oh, yeah, he's and crushing dudes. Like, he's yeah. literally crushing dudes. Yeah. The seals, too, like, once IQ gets into the paint, sealing off the big man from getting a block shot. Um, there's, there's a stat out there. Uh, Two-man lineups, IQ and Yak is like one of the highest in nice. the, for the Raptors. For Scotty, it's just rhythm. He's taking one and a half less threes now than he was before the trade. And I think okay. it's just like finding better looks. He's a rhythm shooter. He's mm -hmm. mentioned that. Once he attempts more shots, I think he'll get back into a little bit more of a feasible yeah. spot. And then the RJ free throws, no one has an answer. I have no idea. No one has yeah. an answer. No yeah. idea. So, but those are things to watch for. Because again, just because they're winning doesn't mean everything is fixed. Yeah. Still want to see how these young guys grow and improve. But we're going to take another break. I've been your host, Willu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Blue. Continue to be joined by my guy, S. What's going on, man? Don't worry. What up, one, what up, one of the rookie things we're going to teach you is you got to hit on and off. Yeah. And yeah. it's pretty important to do that. <laughs> but uh, how are you doing, man? You good? I'm good, man. I'm good. As soon as I learn that, uh, I'll be I'll be good. I'll be vibing. We're I'm building. Like, you know, we're just yeah. building. Link and build. Link yeah. and build. <laughs> Talking about footy, you know, the two of us, you know, Liverpool. Yes, I mean, you were in Liverpool. Like, you, yeah. so you went. Like, can you explain that? Like, man, so I was what there. Were you doing in Liverpool? I was, I was studying law. I was trying to be a lawyer. Yeah. And uh, that obviously didn't work out. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I was there for, like, two, three years. Uh, Liverpool was good, but the tickets were so expensive that uh, it was either pay rent or go to a Liverpool game. Well, I mean, going to see an Everton match is obviously out of the question. Yeah, so. yeah. no way, no way. You know what? One of the first experiences I ever had, I yeah. got into a taxi, yeah. and they're, like, blue or red. And I'm like, yo, where am I? What is, <laughs> what is going this, on? Morpheus? You got to yeah. take the, <laughs> like, I'm under in the matrix Am I in South Central? What's going on? And yeah. then, um, yeah, they were like, yeah, that's Everton or Liverpool. Yeah, even if, even when you go to, like, a shopping mall or whatever, yeah, yeah. there's one side all blue, one side all red. Good. And you're like, 
you got to pick what side you're walking on type of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So, Well, a man who knows all about this, yes. Mark Stein of the Stein line. Mark, uh, well, we know, which, we know which side you're on, obviously. Yeah. You're a citizen. Um, and, and we will talk about that a little bit later on. But I'm reading the newsletter, and I realize, oh, yeah, that's right. You're also a Buffalo uh, Braves fan. And so I wanted to get your history about that, because obviously that's the franchise that used to be in Buffalo and then moved to San Diego and then eventually now to L.A. as the Clippers. Clippers are rebranding. But I just want to walk through your history of, of being a Buffalo Braves fan. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever I see Leo Routens, he brings up that he used to make the drive to Braves games as a kid, which is just awesome because I basically lived in Western New York for the Braves' whole existence. Loved them to bits, but never got to go to a game. We wow. lived 80 miles away from downtown Buffalo. Damn. And we were routinely offered tickets to the Sabres and the Braves, but the weather was so bad. The only lasting quarrel I ever had with my father, who I miss greatly every day, but our lasting quarrel was that he never said yes to the offer of tickets to make that 160-mile drive to the odd. So I had to love the Sabres and the Braves from afar. And I wrote a whole piece about it this week because with the Clippers rebrand, it just kind of brought it all back for me that, uh, you know, it's an amazing story. I mean, you have to be old, really old, like Leo and I <laughs> to care about, <laughs> but, but um, just what happened, you know, the Braves and the Celtics, they're, the owners basically traded franchises. It was unprecedented. I still think it's unprecedented. It was David Stern's idea. Basically, Irv Levin owned the Boston Celtics and wanted to move his franchise to the West Coast. There was no way the league was going to let him move the Boston Celtics. Wow. So the Braves at the height of their, when they had just an, if you go back and, you know, again, if you, you guys really want to wound me and make me relive all this, but the Braves in the 76-77 season could have assembled a front line of Bob McAdoo, Adrian Dantley, and Moses Malone Damn. and threw it all away. And wow. so... It, one of the great sports what-ifs that no one talks about is what the Buffalo Braves could have been. First of all, they ran off Dr. Jack Ramsey, who promptly went to Portland and won a championship with Bill Walton. Yep. But the Braves could have had Randy Smith in the backcourt, Dr. Jack Ramsey on the sideline, and a front line of Moses Stanley and Bob McAdoo. That's why the Just Clippers will never win a championship. <laughs> and threw it all away. And basically, Irv Levin, owning the Boston Celtics, traded the Celtics to John Y. Brown, and so John Y. Brown became the Celtics owner. Irv Levin became the Clipper, the Braves owner, and moved them to San Diego. And Buffalo has not had an NBA team since. And again, we could do we could do hours on. In those days, college basketball had a hold on dates at the Memorial Auditorium. So they, in their infinite wisdom, the, the powers that be at the time decided. It would be better to prioritize Canisius and Niagara basketball games over keeping the Braves. So, right, right before Magic and Larry came into the NBA. But as you can tell, I'm not bitter about it one, one bit. <laughs> Goodness, that's a heartbreaker. Yeah, that is a heartbreak. Um, it is. I'm telling you, you, you guys cannot understand the depths of – I mean, seriously, yeah. just imagine in the 70s having that front line. I mean, it's a Hall of Fame front line. And um, I, I guess, Mark, my question for you is, you know, 
in the newsletter, you mentioned that as the Braves moved, you also moved to California. Yes. And you had that sort of opportunity to stay and become a, a San Diego Clippers fan, but you decided not to. I'm wondering if it was if it's that bitterness that that led you to not do that. And it's funny because you you obviously covered the Clippers uh, later on in your career. How how would how did that all kind of come about? Yeah, so basically, I wasn't even I wasn't even a teenager yet. So to really understand all this, I I mean I can't sit here and pretend like I really knew all these intricacies okay, at that age. I mean because I was still a young kid. I'd fallen in love with the NBA, loved the Braves was devastated. We moved the same summer that they did. And I basically just said, you know what, you know, if, if I can't have the Braves, I can't have anybody. So I never had a favorite team again from, from basically that point on from 78, 79 forward. I was kind of what you hear about NBA fans today. I had lots of different favorite players. I went through a Bernard King phase. Nice. I went through a Mark Jackson phase. Um, so that's two Knicks in a row, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't like a diehard Knicks fan. Like I, I never, I never had a team again right. that ended up being great when I ended up on the NBA beat in 1994. And I didn't like, I never looked at the Clippers as a continuation of the Braves, even though they were, I mean, by, mm-hmm. by the NBA record book, they are. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but I never looked at it that way. So when I started covering the Clippers, it, you know, I had no, I didn't have a favorite team. And so that made it easy to just shift into beat writer mode. And I, like I said, I never really had to deal with, you know, most normal people have a favorite team and then they become, when they become an NBA beat writer, they have to, you know, sever those ties and try to, you know, make sure that they're covering things as an impartial observer. But like I said, my, my NBA fandom of a team, it ended in 77, 78 and it really, what's fun though now is, I mean, in recent years, like Braves retro gear has become available and, yeah. you know, I have all kinds of, I can't, I've, you know, I have, I've purchased all kinds of Braves stuff that you know, I wasn't even available. The to baby me as a blue, kid. the baby blue colorway. Oh man. Yeah. Come on. Tell me, tell me that is not a sick, tell me a number 11 Buffalo uniform is not one of the sickest. I agree. I agree, Mark. I'm with you. I like baby blue. I think more teams should adopt baby blue colorways, to be honest. I, I, I miss the Nuggets powder blue. Yes. Carmelo, yes. Chauncey Billups, Allen Iverson, that era. The, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but come on. Days. The 80s the 80s Nuggets with the Rocky Mountain skyline. True. That's True. pretty that's, good, too. That's, on, yeah. that's, on, that's not, you cannot even, there's never been a better Nuggets uniform than that. No, so, that's fair. So well, I mean, the, yeah. the jerseys have gone really simplistic. Very. Right. And we see the Clippers now rebrand. Um, the new logo is like a circle with like a ship coming towards you. Um, your thoughts on that, Mark? <laughs> I was, I was not wowed by the logo, I must say, <laughs> okay. but, but as I, but as I wrote, despite all this, the Clippers, I was never a Clippers fan. I'm really glad they kept the Clippers name. Like Steve Ballmer listened to the fans. Yeah. The, the Clippers have a small, but very passionate fan base. And Clipper fans, from the moment he took over the team in August of 2014, there have been rumbles that they were going to start all the way over, rename the team. But no, the Clipper diehard fans do not want a name change, and they've stuck with Clippers. So I applaud mm. Steve Ballmer for listening to listening to his fans. Do you like the whole minimalistic trend? I mean, we just talked about the Nuggets jerseys and... You know, the fact that in the 90s, you remember, obviously, the, the old school Raptors jersey and whatnot. 
Do you do you kind of miss? The... Well, one of the reasons I love the Raptors show is that your guys' show logo is the you know it's old yeah, school, right? Yeah, to pay homage. Yeah, exactly. And and purple never goes out of style. You know what I mean? So. Well, I mean, I am, Raptors, a, I, hope they I, am an, I am a nostalgic sap. Okay, I am the most sappy nostalgist <laughs> in NBA media. So anything from the '80s was the greatest. Anything from the '70s was even better. And I'm just irrational like that. So the new stuff. They're not marketing it for me, yeah. and I shouldn't even be commenting on it because, like, I'm not a consumer. I'm not, like, if I, you know, I go to All-Star Weekend and I see a Mitchell and Ness pop-up shop and I lose my mind. And just mm. the stuff they had in there from the 85 All-Star Games, that I get giddy about. But, like, I'm not buying today's NBA jersey, so I really shouldn't even say yeah, because I'm not, I'm not the audience. Fair. Fair enough. Well, um, something you are very closely tied to uh, in terms of just, you know, covering and, and being around them. Mavericks, Raptors play the Mavericks tonight. And Mavs have lost two straight. Man, do I wish I was there. Do I wish I was there. I cannot, like I told you guys, I have not been to Toronto since yeah. pre-pandemic. Tonight yeah. would have been a great night to be there. Luca's 25th birthday. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Raptors pizza part. Did the Raptors have the pizza party yet? We apparently they did here too, Mark. Apparently they did. They're here. they're they're <laughs> having the pizza party. It is scheduled for tomorrow. The right. Raptors are going to practice on Thursday, and then they're going to go to a pizza party. Yes. And I think, I mean, I think Darko was like, "Look, guys, we can do more than pizza." But I think people have become so attached to this pizza party idea that, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I look, I, it's very interesting because there's a lot of incentives that you could put in. You know, like uh, in season tournament winners get 500k. I mean. Three games in a row, you got a pizza is yeah. like what you have maybe. I done. would have thought so. I would have thought Soto Soto would have won the contest, but <laughs> I think what, it, I think what, it might, what is know. what is the best pizza? What is the most desirable pizza in Toronto? Wow! Oh, that's a tough question. Yes, go ahead, man. Go ahead. For me, it's undisputed North of Brooklyn pizza. Yeah, he's angling for a sponsorship. I'm, I'm really be, angling for a sponsorship here, Mark. And they are the best pizza in Toronto. They have multiple locations, yeah. quick delivery, quick service. Unlike some of the other places, I'm not going to slander. It's okay, but you know, it's thin. Yeah, you know the thin slices. I feel like those are those are for me. You know the, what, yes. what really gets you. Yeah. Uh, it's the quality of ingredients. Not much it's of a deep dish guy. Me, I'm not a deep dish. I mean, I'm not trying to eat a lasagna. I'm good. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it's uh, a lot of good picks, honestly. But honest, I, I don't know, Mark. I feel like you and I don't go to the same restaurants. You know, I, I might have to stick with like the. You know, the five to ten dollar slice, not uh Well not see, you would be surprised because yes, I am I am I do tend to be a food snob when I'm talking about NBA cities and the restaurants I want to go to. But if Darko Ryakovich called me, it would be a pea meal bacon sandwich party at Carousel Bakery, which Ooh. fits right into that five to ten dollar budget. Okay. That's what I would be Man that's what I would be doing. I appreciate Man that. Man of the people. Mark yeah. Mark, actually you brought something up I'm interested. What is the best food city in the NBA sphere. You know what? I don't know that I can narrow it down to a city, but seriously, if I went through the 30 teams and look, I do not travel to all 30 like I used to, right. but I have a very like, it's funny. I just did I just did some in-studio radio here in Dallas and was saying that, you know, as sports writers, we don't root for teams. We root for hotels and restaurants. <laughs> and so in almost every city, you know, I have my list of three to five favorites. You know, I just went to Indianapolis for the All-Star game, and I hit St. Elmo three times. Of course. The shrimp cocktail there is legend and a must. It's good. But, Come you know, on. again, Why like are you guys Toronto, eating shrimp in, in Indianapolis? 
Because you know why? Because the great sauce steakhouse. is that legendary. Yeah. The wow. horseradishy cocktail sauce. Yeah. Mark knows. I mean, seriously, yeah. if you polled 100 NBA writers and asked them, where would you want to eat in <laughs> Indianapolis? I mean, I think it would be close to unanimous that yeah. the yeah. St. Elmo shrimp cocktail would be nominated. <laughs> wow. I can't say I'll be going to Indianapolis just to try it, but uh, if I'm ever there, no, I'll, I'm not, I'll keep yeah, it in mind. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's a pricey flight. from. But see, in Toronto, like I said, okay. I mean, if I'm in Toronto for two, three days, I'm going to Carousel Bakery every single day. Wow. I am weeping. I am weeping. Did you guys ever go to Rashers? 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 What is that? No. Oh, man. Oh, my God. You're Rashers putting me on, on in my sh- own city. Yeah, maybe. Rashers was, Rashers was Rashers. a okay. short-lived... Oh, it's but closed now. Maybe yeah, one okay. of the greatest ah. fast food concepts I've ever heard of. They served bacon sandwiches, female bacon, mm. American bacon, and British bacon. Interesting. Like genius. Absolute genius. How did sense. that not survive? How did that not survive? Uh, you, you, you would not believe how high rent prices are in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> you would I mean, not believe. It is not good for business or me, for people who that reside to me here. It's a home run idea. Yeah. Yeah. When well, I retire from. Sports writing, I might just, I might do that. Oh, I see. might open my own. Yeah. Well, you are, you already went out to the East End of Toronto, though. That's the thing. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's real that's respect. Dedication. Yeah, there's, an, there's another spot. Well, I mean, you know, it's close to the area. I, I love 11. I love the food at 11. 11 is solid. Mean, 11 is yeah. good. Yeah. It's a, you could go there for a day. You know, yeah. Good spot to go what, after what, a there's a, there's a Cuban spot that I also go every time I'm in Toronto. Of course, now I'm forgetting the name. Mark, you're sounding like and a foodie right now. Is it La Cubana? Oh, man, and it's, you know, it's a part of town that I should know what it's called. It's like a certain district, and I just forget, man. Is it Roncy? No. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I don't, I don't could know. Could be Kensington. Man. Maybe you know, Liberty Kensington? College? I don't know. Yeah, well, Mark, yo, Mark, honestly. Yeah, I'm impressed. I, you always said you love Toronto, but the, you're proving it to us, right? Yeah. Now. Okay, but here's the, here's the other thing, if you really want to talk again. And, and, and like, Toronto's one of those cities. Toronto's a city that, like, has zillions of fancy restaurants, but I, yeah. I'm on... When I'm there, yeah. like Toronto is Toronto is a plus in the five to ten dollar range. Oh, huge thing, time. dude! The the hot dog street carts, like grills—they got the little grills oh, yeah. inside them. That yeah. is clutch. Yeah, you it don't see that close. anywhere in the state. No, but Mark, you don't see that anywhere. When you come through Toronto, and and hopefully there will be the next time you come through Toronto, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to take you to Chinatown a little bit. Yes, some secret spots Please, around there. I got, I got, I got a lot of friends in that area. Yeah. Who, who run restaurants, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to have the Mark Stein in the building. Absolutely. Um, well, my other, I'll, I'll, and now that you got, my other go-to is close La Marche. How, how, could they, how, how could they close La Marche? Yeah, well. Come oh, the, the buffet style. Listen, their crepes were incredible. Mm. La, La Marche. At the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yes, you right. That place is awesome. Yeah. You're right. Honestly, yeah, but Mark, you know, you got to get some Caribbean food when you come to Toronto, though, too. Yeah. That's the thing. This it's out of all the NBA cities, I gotta imagine the best Jamaican food is in Toronto. Probably, yeah. yeah. So, well, well yeah, we didn't yeah, even talk I just about don't the know where to go. <laughs> don't worry, when you come through, let, let me know, man. Let me know. Is seriously. our time up? Have we used up all our time, so we didn't talk footy either. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> what should we expect from the Mavs? I mean, <laughs> they are oh, playing no, Raptors good. I was, I was, I was worried. I was worried that we used up all our time. Yes, we probably right. should speak about Mavericks Raptors for two minutes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just like the new look Mavs, they, they added Daniel Guy for PJ Washington. Um, you know, the uh, Kyrie healthy, playing again. Um, what do you make of the Mavericks? Like, uh, is this like, first off, are they going to be out of the play-in, and, and like, are they going to make like a 
A run? A run? You know, are they going back to the West Conference Finals? Like, what's going on with the, with the Mavs? They're like everybody in the West that's in the play-in. They're dying to get out of the play-in. Like it, <laughs> and that's obviously easier said than done because look who's in it as we speak. LeBron and the Lakers are stuck down there. Stephen Curry and the Warriors are stuck down there. And the Mavs, after a seven-game winning streak and then getting ran off the floor in Indy and then the heartbreaker they lost last night in Cleveland, now the Mavs are stuck back down there. But look, I... There's no question they've improved their team. Luca is, you know, I think he's, you know, firmly in the MVP chase now with Jokic and SGA. And, you know, assuming the Mavericks are full strength tonight, they won't have Dante Exum. But, you know, Luca and Kyrie are playing really well together when you consider where they were a year ago. You know, they went 5 and 11 in their brief time together. And they really, you know, the thought was, okay, they're going to have a training camp. They played seven minutes together in training camp. That's it. So wow. they didn't have a training camp wow. either. Okay. And Kyrie has missed 22 games, which is a lot. But when he's been on the floor, the two of them together are absolutely dynamic. They're clicking. They're flowing. The trades is, you know, is getting in Gafford and P.J. Washington. As you said, it certainly addresses their need for size, their need for athleticism. So, I mean, they are, they're a puncher's chance team in the West. I mean, you certainly wouldn't say they're one of the favorites yet, but I think they're on that list. Like kind of like golden state. I don't think anybody's in a real rush to see them in the playoffs. Yeah. And, but you know, they come into Toronto very desperate tonight because of the, what happened in, I mean, what happened in Cleveland is still, that's I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, yeah. you know Struess makes four threes in a minute and then, and then makes a 70, a 60 footer to win it <laughs> yeah. after Donovan Mitchell banks in a three. So that's about as brutal a way to lose the game as you could have. So they'll be desperate tonight. Cause they're next, you know, they closed the road trip Friday in Boston, but right. it's Lucas 25th birthday. And you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Mark, you've, uh, you've covered Luca for the entirety of his career now. I, I mean, looking at the fact that he's 25, the accolades are starting to pile up like crazy. You know, 10,000 points. He was the fastest player since Michael Jordan to get to 10,000 points. Um, I'm wondering, there was sort of this discussion online, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. If he were to retire tomorrow, do you think he would be a Hall of Famer? No, no question. I mean, yeah. what does he have, four or – I mean – so we, this season isn't over, but I think he's been all, all NBA, NBA first time four times already. Right. I mean, just the stock answer to this question is, you know, already the Mavs strike gold. I always ask Cuban, how many lotteries have you won in your life? <laughs> I mean, he sold broadcast.com at the absolute peak of the internet bubble yeah. to become a billionaire, buys the Mavericks, and Dirk Nowitzki is there for – you know, Cuban basically got almost all of Dirk's 21 years with one franchise, probably a record we're never going to see again in terms of a Hall of Fame player with one team. And then now they have Doncic. And yeah. this guy, you know, Dirk would tell you, this guy's better than me. Right. He's ridiculous. And, you know, like, you know, we just talked a couple shows ago about, you know, Victor Wembanyama's in town. You know, Luka Doncic is only in Toronto once a year and you know you guys will see stuff that you don't see every day mm. he's that ridiculously good but ultimately you know you got to win championships in this league to get the ultimate kudos and 
you know, they haven't had anywhere near a championship team around him. They've really struggled to put a good team around him. You saw just with Brunson and a very small team, he got him to the conference finals in 2022. So he's more than capable. I have no doubt he will eventually win a championship and win an MVP in the NBA. But just the stuff he does, the talent he has, you know, the, 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 I mean, remember people were, when he was drafted, the chatter was, oh, you know, this is, as, you know, he's already as good as he's going to be. Right. I mean, it's just laughable. It's laughable now to think about that. Do you, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, how aggressive the Mavs have been in terms of getting a content, realizing, first of all, the talent and the potential of a guy like Luca, and then also being aggressive in trying to help him win the Kristaps Porzingis trade, trying to retain Jalen Brunson, although that didn't work out, but then continuing to be aggressive with the Kyrie trade and now these two trades recently. Do you think they've done enough to keep Luka content and happy moving forward? I know that, you know, at the All-Star weekend, Nikola Jokic was like, hey, if he wants to come to Denver, <laughs> like that's fine by me. But I would love to see those two play together. That would be incredible. Not but, anytime soon. Yeah, well, if that, if that happens, I'm probably moving to Denver if that ever happens. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. Only... Luca can answer that question, but there has never, he has never once voiced any discontent. He generally just, whatever he has, Mm -hmm. he just plays. Right. But do they feel the pressure? I mean, the moves they've made tell you that they felt the pressure. They traded for Przingis before Luca's first season was even in the books. And then they messed the Brunson thing up so badly that they made the trade for Kyrie at last season's trade deadline. And remember when Kyrie first became available after the, was it the ask, you know, in the summer of 2022, when, when Kyrie first voiced a desire to leave Brooklyn, the Mavs were very much not interested in going after him and made that clear in the summer of 2022, by the 2023 trade deadline, they were all in to the degree of, an unprotected first-round pick, and Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, two guys right. who, had, who had contributed hugely to the team that went to the conference finals. And then this trade deadline, yes, P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford have helped. They make this a deeper team. They address needs that this team had. But the price to get those guys was significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, P.J. Washington and Gafford, are they the fourth and sixth best guys on your team? Are they the fifth and seventh best guys on your team? About that. Mavericks, the Mavericks gave up two firsts to get those guys. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's right. a lot for guys who might be, you know, your fourth and sixth best players in, in the best-case scenario. So, yeah, they clearly feel this pressure mm-hmm. to put a better team around them. And, look, he's that good and, and deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. What well, you just don't want to see, speaking of them playing Cleveland, like a repeat of what happened LeBron's first time around in Cleveland. Absolutely. There's like Ben Wallace, Shaq, right. Anton Jameson. It was like, ah, I don't know if that was the roster, <laughs> now, man. But I will say, I will say now in their defense, yeah. Kyrie and Luca, when, when they are playing right. at their peak, right. they definitely do have a LeBron and Kyrie vibe. I yeah. mean, that right. was the dream vision. They had 75 to combine last night. Trade. It's 75 last night. I mean, yeah. They, I mean, like, so if if they're on the floor together, they are number one offense in the league. And a show. And a show. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right, Mark, we appreciate you. All right. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, City drops some points. I'm hoping that when you get to Anfield, 
Uh, you'll feel that pressure, you know, the, yep. the new stand that has been uh, opened now finally and finalized and there's 80,000 uh, reds in there. I hope you're the only blue and uh, you see uh, City drop <laughs> well, some gotta, points. I got to warn you now. I got to warn you now that next week on Wednesday, I will be occupied. I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to, with your guys' permission, move move Wednesday's appearance. Hopefully you guys are cool with me moving it to Thursday because hey. I may or may not be seeing Copenhagen at City that's going to hurt. Oh, wow. That's wow. a great yeah. Wow. Um, no, I don't think that's going to be okay. I think we're going to have to call you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, anytime for you, Mark. We appreciate you. And thanks for all your love for the city, man. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Be good. Thank you. Hey, uh, before we go to break, actually, um, we want to show you something because, I mean, absolute legend, Cabby, got to catch up with Norm Powell. Absolutely. Uh, back when they were in Toronto, the Clippers. Doesn't feel right that Norm's not ours anymore, but the Clippers were in town, Cabo Cabby, uh, and they actually did uh, a video together, which was which was great. So I, I just wanted to show this little snippet here. They're actually debating who should get the first statue with the Raptors. Oh. You've referenced Kobe and D-Wade as players who you would want to model your game after for many years. Mm. Both of those Hall of Famers will be honored with statues in 2024. Mm. Which Raptor should get a statue first? And here's the list. First? Vince Carter, uh-huh. Chris Bosh, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry. Who should be the first Raptor to get a the statue? First, the first Raptor should be Vince Carter. Really? Yeah. Over Kyle? Yeah. Why? Because without Vince Carter, we wouldn't be what the Raptors are today. Kyle would be next. Vince, then Kyle. Yeah. And no disrespect, but it's just, I just think what Vince Carter meant to the city and to the game of basketball in Toronto, starting off, you know, kind of putting it on the map and making everybody take notice. You got to respect that. He was the first one that laid the path for everything to go on today. There you go. I what, just, what do you, think? you agree? I, I mean, disagree? yes, I agree. And like, I'm sure they're going to honor him, you know, coming up with the 30th anniversary and whatnot. I just can't believe Chris Bosch was mentioned in that category. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. <laughs> Listen, Kawhi, huh? Even put, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Whatever. It's all good. No, no, that's fine, man. Go ahead. Just Chris Bosh, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. the blood clots, all right? No, wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Pulling out the blood clots. Bro. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The statue will be him recovering from the face injury. Yes. Uh, anyway, we're going to go to our break, but you can watch the full interview. It's going to be published on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. We can also find this show as well, but go watch Cabby talk with Norm. Always great to see old friends catch up. We're going to take our last break of the day. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Lou. Continue to be joined by fill-in co-host, Sandy R. Barini. Uh, how you doing, man? You feeling good? Feeling good. Feeling great, man. We're in the last segment. Yeah. Right? Home run. Home chill? stretch. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, been, it's been chill vibes on the show today. I like it. Yeah. You know? Um, what, do you need Do you me to amp the energy up? I can amp No, up. honestly. I mean, you if you can, you can. You know what? You can <laughs> if you want to. Lindsay set the bar so high energy-wise, I was wearing a cowboy hat the last two episodes. Not just one, two. And uh, I don't know, man. If, you know, it was a tiny cowboy hat, too. Uh, you know, it was regular size. It's just on my head. That's <laughs> <laughs> tough. I all set right. you up for that. That's all I get. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. The lob, the jam. <laughs> all right. 
Um, joining us for segment four is Summit Aurora, VP Strategy Analytics and Exports at MLSC. Uh, Summit, we brought you in tonight because uh, tonight the Raptors uprising as part of the NBA 2K League makes the season debut, doubleheader, three on three. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Of course. So I think for a lot of viewers, um, every obviously everyone's familiar with the Raptors, not maybe not as many are familiar with just the 2K League in general and also the Raptors uprising. But again, we wanted to sort of uh, share the spotlight a little bit. You guys are entering season seven. I just, I just wanted to start with just a couple of questions on the business side of it, because that was really interesting when we caught up and chatted a little bit. Um, just the idea of sort of how the NBA is using the NBA 2K League to even try out a couple concepts and things like that. So talk, can you talk to me about sort of the collaboration between the NBA and the, and the 2K League? Yeah, great. You know, as you know, uh, the NBA is a very forward-thinking organization, and like a lot of professional sports organizations, we're all thinking about how to connect with that next generation of fans. And, uh, you know, there's a digital-first, you know, uh, fan base out there that's, a, you know, whether it's gaming and video games uh, or content or other things that, you know, they're not necessarily following the same path that a lot of other traditional sports fans have had in terms of coming to games or watching broadcasts or interacting with us, um, you know, the way that others might have. So, there's a great opportunity for us to reach fans where they are and they're still very basketball, you know, passionate. And, and so what's interesting with take two and NBA 2K is one of the most popular video games in the world. So when the NBA and take two came together to launch this league, the idea was that you've got this incredible fan base around take two, you know, it, it sells something like 20 million, you know, copies a year. People are playing the game. We've got several hundred thousand people in Canada that are playing you know, take NBA 2K not always with the Raptors. Mm -hmm. So there's a chance to try to find a way to connect with them and make them Raptor fans uh, through a game that they love and engage with them in a bit of a digital first and a, and a different opportunity than we might be used to today. The evolution of uh, esports has been astronomical over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, it's, it's not just 2K, but there's other games out there as well. I'm wondering, how do you get the typical sports fan to get invested on the esports side with you know, the NBA 2K League? Yeah, it's a great question. I think for us, the reason why we're in, you know, NBA 2K is it's familiar. We're a sports entertainment organization. We know basketball. Right. But having Raptors Uprising as part of the Raptors family, you know, when you have uh, Toronto Raptors and Raptors 905, there's an extension of that now. And it's a different type of basketball for a different type of fan to engage with. But I think, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that have kids that like to play video games. And, and so for... Uh, you know, a, a parent who maybe can't connect with their with their kids through other esports that maybe aren't as familiar or as, or as natural to them, but they're basketball fans. I know a lot of you know parents that will sit and watch their kids play, you know, NBA or or you know soccer or hockey or something like that, and it feels familiar and it feels relatable. So I think for us, we're trying to you know stay close to what we are, mm -hmm. and and it's a chance for basketball fans who appreciate a different type of basketball, but more than anything, it's a chance for us to introduce basketball to a, to a type of fan that's looking for a lot of the same excitement and enthusiasm. And there's a way for us to bring that to them through a game that they like. That's interesting. Cause it's a, it's a business question across the board for all sports, but like, what is this next generation of like customer yeah. and fan going to be? Where are they? What are they looking for? And in particular, how can the leagues and the sports go ahead and service that? Cause ultimately that's what entertainment is. Where is this next generation of fans? Like, is it, you got to reach them on the phone. You got to reach them through a video game. You got to reach them through social. Like, how are you getting these people to become the next generation of basketball, uh, you know, fans? I, you know what? I think it's one thing I would say, too. It's not just a young fan. I think it's all of us. We're all hyper-connected now. 
And I think the NBA is a good example. Think about, you know, the free agency, you know, July 1st, or think about uh, how much of the culture of basketball now is not just about what happens on the court, you know, during 82 games a year or the playoffs, but the culture is the fashion, you know, the, the league fits on the runway before the game or the music, you know, obviously we've got this great connection with Drake and OVO, and there's a ton of association with, with music, uh, food, you go to Scotiabank arena and we have some of the best food from all parts of the world. Probably, you know, most, the most unique building I think in the world in terms of the diversity of the community. So I think we're just trying to speak a love language to our fans where they can connect with us. And I think what basketball has become, it's a 365 day a year, you know, a passion for fans of all ages. And I think what we're just seeing here is that to do this right, it's not just about bringing people to the building for a certain number of times a year. It's about trying to connect with people anytime in the way they want to connect with you and in the channels that they want to interact with you. Yeah, the, the, the coolest thing to me is that, you know, a guy who grows up playing video games. I was a guy who grew up playing video games, you know, playing 2K, you know, lear learning basketball a lot and a lot of a lot of times through that, right? Um, now there's this generation that's doing the same thing and doing it in an amplified way. I'm wondering if that's maybe a resource for you guys and, and to, a, to a different level, like how do you scout these next generation of esports players to find who's going to be, you know, that next 2K guy that you guys want to add to the uprising? Yeah, it's a great question. So the league and, and you know, NBA 2K has done a phenomenal job. What happens is when the game comes out every fall, there's a ton of people that are playing the game. So mm -hmm. the first thing you do is you have this incredible user base. And then there's ways to compete to get noticed and qualify for being eligible to be drafted that right. we participate with, with everybody else. But I think there's a couple of things there. You know, you touched on this about playing the game was a way to experience the game. And we have to remember one of the other things that's incredible about gaming is it's very inclusive because mm -hmm. unfortunately not everybody has the physical abilities or the opportunity to even go and pick up a basketball and play on a court. And uh, there's a lot of barriers still to sports in a lot of different ways. So one of the things that's great about gaming is you can feel connected and be part of the game and compete like in, in something like a competitive model. You can compete in a game that you might not be able to in a, in a quote-unquote traditional sense. Right. I think that's one. I think the other thing is you know, I look at what you guys do. You're incredibly savvy, knowledgeable basketball fans. You talk about X's and O's. You talk about the playbook. You talk about analytics. There's a way for fans to consume the game and also be part of the game. And as you know, basketball clubs have expanded the type of roles that, that sit on this side of the, you know, the fence as well. We have analytics professionals, data scientists, and, and you know, machine learning specialists. We're training people a different type of skill set to be able to help the game and grow the game as much as the people that can coach or play the game themselves. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to move to the uprising in particular. Regulus is an opener. Starts tonight. Doubleheader. Two games. A three on three. Uh, what storyline should people be watching out for? You know, when they try to tap in here. I mean, we're excited. It's it's the start of a, a season. We got a doubleheader against two tough teams. I think you know the things to keep an eye out for. We've got um, a fairly you know new group of players. We got a couple of guys returning from last year. Our team captain. Uh, you know, with Seam Talbert, who goes by the handle ball like Seam. That's one thing. What's great is you've got, you know, gamer handles here that we can talk about these guys. Um, we've got, you know, Han. There's a position in basketball, in 2K basketball, called the lock, which is like you're a small forward, but you're a lockdown defender because their job is just to contain the best score on the other team every night. And we've got three new players coming back, you know, with us this year. Uh, this year. Uh, Crush, who's been a proven winner in this league in, in multiple stops. Uh, Symptoms, who's our first-round pick this year, is our shooting guard. And uh, we're excited about uh, Antoine Love, who's our point guard. And he's a former tournament MVP, tournament winner, you know, champion. We've got a great new head coach, Nick Gartrell, who comes from 
you know, uh, other stops as well. So the storyline is we've got some familiar faces to the NBA 2K League, but they're coming together as veterans on this team, ready to help us win. And, you know, the Raptors have won Larry O'Brien, uh, Raptors 905 won the G League Championship. We want to win a championship, and, and we're excited about this team being the foundation for a team that we think can really contend. No doubt. So where can people watch? Like, and how can people watch? Because, again, I think for a lot of young people, they're like, I know where I can watch. But for a lot of older people in the audience, they're like, what are they talking about, and how can I tap in? <laughs> where is this? Uh, you can go to Twitch. You can go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you can find the NBA 2K League channel. They broadcast all of the games. So you'll see our games tonight along with a couple of others that are happening. And you can, you know, follow us at our handle at, at Raptors GC on your favorite social media channel to keep an update on the schedule and, and see how we're doing and tune in to watch. Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. And by the way, as you were who, who alerted me with this, but there's also a involvement with Scotty Barnes. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think Scotty's involvement in general, he announced the draft pick for Symptoms, I believe. And, uh, you know, he's been very involved in 2K stuff in general, a big fan of the game in general. How important is that? Like how... How important is it in general for the all-star of, of a team to be involved and heavily invested in this? You know, I think it's a great question. You know, Scotty's obviously a big fan of 2K. Yeah. And I think he's a great supporter of ours and he's a supporter of the community and he's interested in the league. And, and I think like everybody else that we're trying to reach, he's a fan. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that he's a fan goes a long way and I'm hoping to help open doors to other people. But I think you're seeing, you know, at, at NBA All-Star Weekend, there was a, a showcase that we had uh, NBA players competing yeah. with NBA 2K League professionals, and it was tremendously fun. So I think it's just about having fun. And, and you know, a lot of NBA players are fans of the game. They like to play themselves, and we're just trying to reach them like everybody else. That's there awesome. That's pretty All cool. Right. Summit, we appreciate you for joining us. We will be tapping in tonight, obviously, after the Raptors play, the Mavs, <laughs> you know, the scheduling conflict, everything like that. But seriously, thank you for coming on and sort of introducing audiences to, you know, where else that they can engage yeah. with the sport of basketball itself. So I appreciate you. Great. Thanks, guys. All right. New yeah. generation, man. Dude. I feel a, washed that's, talking about that. Honestly, man. you and I, we're already washed. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I in life, 30 is not, like, and you're not even 30, <laughs> so I'm just going to round up for you. Thank you. Uh, But, like, you know, 30 is not washed, but... At, Content-wise, in terms of who people are looking after, like, <laughs> we're, like, maybe towards the end of that target. You think we're getting, like, yeah. The, soon the demo is not going to be us. You know what? Like, we're just going to be in the old. Yeah, I don't care he's old. You know, shouts <laughs> to Dylan Brooks. Um, no, but I think that's the question for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, what is a new audience looking for, and how do you engage with them? And I think that this meets them on their level in many ways. Honestly, it's a question for all of the NBA, too. Because, like, for sure, people aren't necessarily watching an entire regular season let alone some regular season games. Like, they're they're mostly on their phone, catching yeah. it on TikTok or Twitter or whatnot, catching the, the highlights. People watch highlight clip rather yeah. than the whole game. So like, Honestly, a lot of people don't even have time for that. Like, yeah. no offense, but, like, you know, society has moved on to that point where it's like, you got a lot of things demanding on your time. Absolutely. How much free time do you really got? Yeah. You're on and the go I, a lot, so. I think that's the most interesting thing, like, TVD-wise, you look at what's next for the NBA. Like, how are they going to be able to draw in the younger fan? Yeah. Now, I saw a, a tweet today where it was like Victor Wembanyama is the first player to reach to like a billion views on social media. Mm. I don't know what that necessarily means right. other than it just being a billion of something. Yeah. And it's like, how do we gauge what kind of attracts our eyes? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I don't know. but on the flip side, 
because you also make content, but I do. unfortunately yeah. not for a billion views. <laughs> no, but no. what if you your know content what? We can was get viewed it up a billion there. times, man? Man, that, would you feel weird about it? Would you feel excited about it? Like, how would you feel? I would feel because imagine I, a God, billion people looking at you. Yeah, that's wild, bro. That's wild. I don't <laughs> yeah, know, man. Like, uh, yeah, a billion is a lot. Like that's a billion is a lot. That's, that's one seventh or one eighth of the world population, or something. Yeah, that's yeah. You got like all of like India or China looking at you. Sure. Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love that. Tap yeah. in if y'all want to. <laughs> let's, you know, let's run it up. Maybe I will get uh, that North of Brooklyn sponsorship oh, with a billion. You got one of the one sponsorships if you got a billion eyes. Yeah. Oh, my God, man. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, look, um, turning attention then away from 2K yeah. to the game that's taking place tonight. Time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, yeah, I want to take a chance to just look at the Raptors um, in this specific matchup. They're playing Dallas. Dallas second out of a back-to-back. Um, hopefully, you know, for the fans here in Toronto, you get to see Luka. You get to see Kyrie because, you know, you definitely want to see the best players. And this is the one yeah. time you get to see them. Raptors are actually underdogs, plus three and a half. And over-under for the game is 241. Um, we'll see if also Jakob is available. Yep. He's questionable, although apparently people who want to shoot around this morning saw that he was not in a walking boot, which... That's a great sign. That's great. Honestly, yeah. I would love to see Liverpool players not in a walking boot these days. <laughs> uh, but in any case, um, yeah, what do you think of the matchup, first off, between the Raptors and Dallas? So obviously very Jakob dependent. If you remember last Mavericks game and like the, the team itself has changed as well, but yeah. the, the Raptors did a great job of penetrating inside, mm-hmm. just dominating in the Pascal paint. Pascal had a great game. Pascal one. had a really great game and yep. no Derek Lively in that game also. Yep. So this is the first time for Raptors fans you're seeing, you know, a rookie center who can kind of impact the game on both both sides. They've added Gafford since too. Added Gafford, added, added P.J. Washington, so a little bit bigger of a team. Maybe right. that size advantage isn't necessarily there but you still got to get into the paint still have to defend the paint and the big question obviously folks is going to be who they who guards Luka Doncic like uh, yeah. and and the how is who's not going to guard Luka Doncic because right. he's going to hunt every mismatch yeah. yeah I mean he had 45 last night uh yeah, no it, against deal. the Cavs like it and it, he didn't sweat he's leading the league in points right now like he's going to get to his right yeah. It's just about being able to make it a little bit difficult for him. The one thing I would notice or or kind of bring up is okay. the Mavs take care of the ball extremely well. They're third I mean, they in turnovers. Play ISO, so. Yeah, only ISO. <laughs> they don't pass. You know what I mean? Uh, they pass, but it's to a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, and so, like, that's the one thing I would try to focus on if you're the Raptors who like to run in transition, mm-hmm. who like to force turnovers, who yeah. like to try to use that to fuel their own offense. For sure. That might not be as available tonight because the Mavericks take care of the ball so much. Mm. But you would want to run against this team. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know if Luka's running back. Absolutely not. I don't know if Kyrie's running back. Oh. So you can make your money that way. I mean, I'll look, uh, Jakob, the question with Jakob, I mean, it's just he's been so integral to these results that it's it's completely different. He's not available. But Raps have played the Mavericks decently. If I had to guess, probably Scotty starts off on yeah. Luka. Yeah. And then Luka's so. probably going to call for a screen and try to attack a big or attack a small. Yeah. So he's probably I, not going to end up guarding Luka that much at the end of possessions, but to begin possessions, I think you'll see a lot of Scotty. I always wonder about this when it comes to just in general, like those heliocentric guys like mm-hmm. Luca. Like, would you rather just double out the gate and force the ball out of his hands and just let Kyrie or PJ Washington or whoever beat you? Or are you going to let him get exhausted, score 50, mm. but then you're not getting everybody else going and hot? You know, it's, it's, mm. it's one or the other yeah. for, for most people. In the Nick Nurse era, it was always... Oh, I know what it was, the Nick Nurse era, baby. (laughs) We're taking away... Maxi Cleaver, you're getting 25 wide open threes. Yeah, Yeah. and, like, you could live with that. 
Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily know what this current Raptors and that's what's interesting. It's like what this new Raptors mm-hmm. team is trying to take away from some of these guys. Yeah, I mean you could say that. Can I just read you some of Luca's recent numbers? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Just points total wise, okay? Because right. he's seen all sorts of defense, you know? Yeah, he's used to it. 45, 33, 41, 27, 26. Okay, he was a little cold that those two days. Yep. 32, 39, 35, 19. <laughs> and Impressive. Then- they beat Philly about that. So they, you know, that was fine. 40, 45, 28, 73. <laughs> and it goes on like that. It's yeah. So, yeah. and by the way, that <laughs> forty five, honestly, that's still gonna kill you. That forty five was on the Cavs, were like the second or first best defense in the entire league. There was a lot of if you watch the the highlight compilation of Luca, there's a lot of uh, a man wearing number four, I believe. Oh, I uh, what second in rookie of the year? I, I think a generational defender, really. Right. Yeah, yes. he was he was he was he was getting put on a generational highlight reel. Yeah. By Luka Doncic. <laughs> so no, that's my point though. Like it's like Evan Mobley's at a fantastic defender, and he's yeah. just looking at him. He's like, all right, I'll step back. No, you're right. Yeah. There's not many options you can throw at Luka and yeah. him feel bothered. He's just him and Jokic. Like they go at their own pace. They do things at their own level at their yeah. own rate, and no one can really stop it. It's one of the most profound and confounding things yeah. in the NBA. Um, There's a real skill in being able to slow down. Yeah. You see that even with Grady these days. Absolutely. But uh, Luke, obviously, on a totally different level. I mean, okay, what's your pick? What's your pick? Back in the Mavs? Back in the Mavs? So, second night of a back-to-back for the Mavs. Yeah. Uh, Luca played 41 minutes last night. Mm, they it's were his birthday. A little bit. Yeah, he's, it's his birthday, too. Yeah. I don't know how that works, though. Is he mean? more angry because it's his birthday and, you know, they lost last night, 25th birthday, he wants to have a good time, whatever, whatever. Mm. Or is he going to take a step back, relax, he's going to go have some hookah after the game type <laughs> of thing? <laughs> like, is he going to go to a shisha lounge? Like, yeah. what are we, what's the you know vibe what? Luca's coming in with, you that's know? a question for you. <laughs> My Persian brother, where, where should he be going? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, is he gonna hit Hayes Lounge? Like, what is he gonna do? You know what I mean? I don't. I don't necessarily know what Luca is gonna do after the game. I think we know what he's gonna do after the game. <laughs> it's about what he's doing during the game yeah. and before. Um, yeah. I think that's a big question. It's like, what kind of Mavs yeah. team shows up? And yeah. I would probably pick the Raptors in this one. To be honest with you, mm. well rested. They're feeling good after beating Indiana. Right. Maybe belly full post pizza. I mean, they haven't got it yet, but you know yeah. what I mean. Um, and, yeah, I, I think I'm going to – are you going to go Raptors? I picked the Raptors, like, honestly, if we're just going by how 90%. often I pick the Raptors, Raptors are the 73-win Warriors. Of course <laughs> I'm going with the Raptors. Off a three-game win streak. Keep it going. That was Between the Lines brought to you yeah. by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Yeah, it'll be a fun night tonight. I'm really looking forward to getting there early, watching Kyrie's warm-up, watching Luca's warm-up. It's a great piece I've written over the Athletic by Tim Cato about – uh, Luca and the trick shots. Yes. And yeah, I mean, looking forward to it, man. I, do you got a favorite Luca trick shot? Mm-hmm. Did you see some in Indiana? Yes. He was yeah. doing the, the all star. Like, just the, the crazy thing about his warm ups is that he can go ahead and play and like do it himself, or he'll collaborate with teammates and ask his teammates to get involved too. So, Wait, what does that mean? Like, he'll get his teammates involved in his trick shots. Okay. So, I don't know. You just have to go and wait and see tonight and, like, yeah. how, he, how he involves these guys. It's kind of hard to explain, but he'll, like, yeah. get Tim Hardaway to be in front of him, and then, like, he'll put a hand up, and then he'll have to chuck it with his hook shot. It's it's very— He gets his teammates to come contest his <laughs> circuit shots. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild stuff. It really is. I guess if you're a teammate, you're like, I guess I just have to say yes. <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure, I, I need to prepare for this professional game. Let, let me help this savant just warm up <laughs> and have fun and engage with the game. No, seriously. I mean, Slovenians, right? Like, they're going to be out and about tonight, too, I'm assuming, because yeah, one, one usually, night— There's usually, you know? like, a little tribute, and, and, and it's just great to see. I mean, 
yeah. various communities. I was one uh, once doing <laughs> React Pod earlier this year, and I think um, they just like were chanting about Croatia, like really, just like all very loud, like, and they were singing the national anthem. And I was like, dude, this is this is Dedication. awesome. And you probably would not see this in most NBA cities, but no. Toronto is really that diverse. I believe it was when the Clippers were in town; they did it for Zubac. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if that happens tonight, expect the the, re- the reaction podcast to be cut short because there's nothing I could do <laughs> in that open booth when the whole speakers are blasting. But that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network brought to you by Campbell's new Chunky Spicy Soup. It's time to get fired up. Make sure you find The Raptor Show where we listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the program. Thanks once again to producer Amit Mon, Brooke producer Derek Mendale, Jennifer Rolnick, David Sis, Jeremiah Tad. I'll see you down at the arena. And S, I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. See you guys tomorrow.